you know, like we said, she uh, has been touted as being incredibly strong, and I would imagine she is because um, she has the confidence of, the very, of somebody with that strength that's just like, I'll, I'll do all three. I'll get rid of them. Don't worry about it. It's like, all right, girl, damn. <laughs> What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages? Welcome back to the AOA show. I'm your host, as always, Ian, along with the boy Isaiah. Oh, hi, And today we are talking Tower of God, part two of our question analysis. Uh, join our Discord if you want to post some questions and you might hear us answer it in one of our discussions. But without further ado, let's hop right into it. We have five questions today. First one comes from uh, Gertron Buster. Gertron Buster asks, what are your thoughts on Adori Jihad and her saying that she is merely the blade which cuts down the enemies of the Jihad family and trying to annihilate all three enemies and that the administration should strive for peace? Do you think there is a divide within the Jihad family similar to Fug? Um, so we didn't get too, too much backdrop on this person. All we know is that this person is incredibly powerful. And, uh, you know, based off the lines that we said here, it seems like there is some thing within the, the back of her mind that says, you know, these folks should probably just strive for peace because I'm going to keep doing my job, whatever that is. Uh, definitely an overachiever, <laughs> if I've ever seen one before, trying to annihilate all three people on the list. And one thing that I kind of forgot about last one of our last discussions when somebody had asked like what do you think now that there's these three orders and I had said oh the hell train one is the easiest and while I still do think it may be the easiest one I kind of forgot about the whole you can't actually do that if you're a ranker and go back so you are breaking the rules which means that the, you might have the administrator to deal with now as we saw the administrator came in and um, kind of peed all over everybody's cornflakes in the in the fight with Ivan Kell and such on the first floor of Tess. So that definitely throws a wrench into things as well. So the fact that this Adori Jihad is willing to do all three of them and feels confident enough to do so, that's pretty crazy. Uh, and do you think there is a divide within the Jihad family similar to Fug? Yeah, I think that any hierarchy and established group that becomes too large um, with so many different people, with other, with leaders delegating to their separate groups and all that kind of thing, there's bound to be s sorts of infighting and disagreements and all different types of things that uh, will split the group at the seams. Uh, everybody has different opinions on what should be done, what shouldn't be, etc. So I definitely think there is a you know a divide or something along those lines within the Jihad family, similar to Thug. But that's what makes it kind of interesting to see where all of these people's opinions lie. But those are my thoughts. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that uh, Adori, the whole thing with, uh, you know, Adori being like, yeah, like, it's our job, you know, it, it's going to be our job or my job to, you know, cut down all these enemies. Like, I will, you know, sort of pave the path in blood, of anybody that opposes jihad, but you guys, the administration, like, should be, you know, the, uh, you know, the peace talkers, or, like, you know, the ones that, that like, sort of speak to the people, and, and you're approachable, and, and friend, like, you should be the, like, the PR, in a sense, that the people that, the guys that regular people in the tower see as jihad's administration, or as jihad's, 
face, so, so to speak, in a way. Meanwhile, Adori and, you know, her, you know, lackeys, minions, whoever, um, they're the ones, like, in the shadows who are actually, like, running, you know, around the tower and, you know, gutting anybody that disagrees with or opposes or is a threat to Jihad. Um, so I definitely think there's a divide there. Um, and just even from the way that uh, the whole jihad giving the orders and like the way the whole thing went down at the beginning of the last couple chapters that we read with the priest and stuff like the way that they're just willing to basically you know lie like manipulate information like all of that stuff it, it clearly speaks to like jihad's orders come first even like if it means turning on other people in your administration or, or, you know, your group or whatever. So I definitely think that has created somewhat of a, uh, you know, of a divide for sure. Um, what do we think about Jihad's family? I think the other thing too, is that like, you know, we were saying before, but like the, the three orders that Jihad gave, like in a way it's kind of like, you know, it's a trap and it's a trap in and of itself because one, you know, just around the whole like illusion of choice, but more so is it not that it's like, oh, Jihad is controlling everybody by trying to give them, you know, an option, you know, when really he's already boxing them in with the three options, because that's somewhat obvious, but that each of these these options lead into each other anyway, right? So you could be like, yeah, well, I'll just go for the kids in the hell train. But those kids in the hell train are linked to people on FUG. BAM is a high priority to for FUG to protect. So if you go after BAM on the hell train, I'd be damned if people like Han Sung Yu or even more so Jin Sung Ha are just going to sit back and be like, nah, he can handle it. No, they're going to they're going to go over there and, and help him out. Vice versa, you go after Fug, you know, Hara Ryun, and then by extension, maybe Bam and company are going to go wherever that's happening. And, and you know, um, and even, the you know, the Pope Bado family is, I guess, sort of the outlier, but they present their own problems being that they are one of the 10 great families. So it, it's like starting a war with a family of that, with a group, let's just say, of that scale is bound just by nature to attract, you know, whether it's, again, BAM's group because they're just sort of moving up the tower constantly or members of, like, it, it, it just, it seems like an interesting trap in that, like, again, he's giving you this choice, but even by this choice, there is no choice because it's just kill all of these people and you're going to have to do it eventually. Um, but I think Indori, you know, like we said, she uh, has been touted as being incredibly strong and I, would imagine she is because um, she has the confidence of, the very, of somebody with that strength that's just like, I'll, I'll do all three. I'll get rid of them. Don't worry about it. It's like, all right, girl, damn. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my thoughts. And then, so the second question we have is from Confuzzled Asian. They say, this time, what do you think of the display of White's power on the train station? Does he have what it takes to save the regulars on the train and to fight the rankers in Jihad's army? Uh, does he have what it takes to save the regulars? Maybe. <laughs> Probably. Does he have what it takes to fight the rankers in Jihad's army? Not all of them. <laughs> I mean, if what we're told is true, he's not even actually at his full power yet, and he sort of measures up to a regular. Um, so <laughs> even on, a, on his best day, I would tout that a regular is going to have a pretty tough time fighting all of Jihad, of the rankers in Jihad's army. Um, you know, and that is assuming that he does fight them all. You know, I don't know. I think he will be a great decoy, I guess, employee in the sense that, like, we send white out for, you know, sort of like, again, pointing the cannon, like you send white out to just sort of like slash as many people as he can hit with his sword. And then, you know, I don't know, I guess, bam, I'm assuming, you know, we literally, the, when we ended the chapters, it was like, they're getting ready to depart the train. So I'm assuming it's going to be something of like, they split and go into two different directions and team A goes one way and team B goes the other way. Um, 
you know, as long as it doesn't mean, like, they sent White out front and center, you know, to be like, all right, go greet the army, and then we're going to go, you know, left and right, basically, or, or whatever, to, to sort of try and stave off as much fighting as possible. Um, but, yeah, and I, you know, I don't, I guess, you know, necessarily, like, not counting White out, because I know even, you know, if you were to compare him to regulars, like, this is White we're talking about, he's he's not a pushover. Um, but that's a tall bill for anybody, especially, again, somebody who were, you know, ta- if, if this was, like, full-strength White, that's a, I think that's a different story. But from where White is right now, I don't think so. I think he'd have a pretty tough time taking all of them on by himself. Um, but White is also nothing if not crafty and resourceful. So I don't know. Maybe he'll have some backdoor scheme to, to get out of it. Mm. No, I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, so moving on to the third question here we have by Kenshi. Kenshi says, it just occurred to me, but the only weapons I've seen talk about before are the 13-month series, a living ignition weapon, or Emily, if you count her as a weapon. So, do you think Wang Nan's new weapon is a 13-month? Why or why not? I also noticed it only spoke that one time on the hidden floor, and I didn't say anything when Karaka or Yuri were around. Do you think there's a reason for this? Um, so, breaking down this question, do I think the weapon is a 13-month? No, I do not personally. Um... Actually, you know what? That was kind of quick and hasty. I, it could be. So I, I, um, it could be in the sense that the it does it talks to him, and the thirteen month series are known to have the spirits of of fallen princesses or whoever in them. Um, so it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that it is a thirteen month weapon, one that is definitely a little more cognizant of what's going on and has their own role to play. A lot of the other the other thirteen months, the big two that we see are the Black March and the Green April their spirits inside them don't really seem to take an active role in trying to like constantly be like, yo, let me out of the thing and I'll do this for you. It's more of like, all right, like here we are, like, you know, the drill, if this comes out, like I kind of don't like you, you don't like me. Like I might help you. I might not just kind of depends on how the wind blows, you know? And it's like when Yuri tries to do two of them, they're like, okay, like you got it, but they're not, it doesn't seem like they're trying to make an active, active effort, like a genie in a bottle to like get out and wreak havoc on everything. Whereas this weapon seemed to be a little more cognizant of that, where it was like, yo, save your friends and but kill this guy for me. And like, this it seems to have its own plan. So I don't necessarily think it's the sword per se that has it. I think that maybe, and I've said this before, I think this is very jihad-y looking with the with the uh, the red horns that come out of Jihad and Wainan, ironically, and just like the whole gold sphere kind of looks like a sun, uh, looks like something that Jihad would plant there. And considering he made the whole hidden floor when we're, you know, going back on it, um, you know, it, it makes sense that it could be something like that. So I think that this is not a 13-month series to long-winded way of saying. So I think it's its own thing. Um, let's see. What do you think? What I also noticed it only spoke, oh, the weapon, that one time on the hidden floor, and it didn't say anything when Crocker or Yuri were around. Do you think there's a reason for this? Uh, not particularly. I think it's probably just talking to Wangnan in general because its plan involves Wangnan and no one else, so I doubt it's going to speak at all for anyone, um, Yuri, Karaka included, Bomb, whoever, whoever it is. I think it's just going to be like, Wang Nan, like, this is our thing, you know what I mean? Like, you do this, you do that, and we'll be square. So, those are my thoughts, but. Uh, I don't know, to be honest. If I, I'm not too firmly in one camp or the other when it comes to if this is a 13th month, because 
I don't know enough about the thirteenth months to be like, no, that I've you know I, I've seen others like that's like because I don't. <laughs> it could be you know I don't I don't uh, especially if the idea of the thirteenth months defies what we in <laughs> the human world know about the twelve months, meaning that there's one <laughs> that just doesn't exist. Um, this could be it. Uh, you know what I mean? We it hasn't gotten a name. We have you know it hasn't referred to itself by a name, so we don't know what it's doing here, why it's doing here. And even if Jihad placed it, I suppose rather than making another weapon, leaving the 13th of the 13th month series here, like could be, or maybe it's like a spell where like upon the hidden floor's destruction, that's the, when the 13th month, like maybe the 13th month series or 13th month weapon specifically isn't just out and about in the tower and it was hidden on the hidden floor and the only way to bring it back was to get rid of the hidden floor. So upon the hidden floor's destruction, when Eon took the pill, that released this final weapon, and maybe this weapon is under those specifications because it's a little bit different in, you know, as opposed to the other uh, 12 in that, in the, whatever spirit is in this weapon, right? That it's not just some random cursed princess or something that's like, hey, I'm a weapon, like, you know, whatever, like, use me or don't use me or don't go, like, that this one was sealed away on the hidden floor because maybe even Jihad had a hard time, like, keeping it, like, controlled and keeping it under wraps. And, like, he believed that nobody else, even another princess, should wield this weapon because of maybe the kind of crazy things that it, it can do or it can get up to or that the things that it can influence other people to do. Um, I don't know. And, and again, you know, it is just as likely this isn't one of the 13th months, but... I guess I, I guess if in my mind I'm just like if it's not a thirteenth month I don't know what the fuck it is or where it came from or how how it could have why it's that like speculation just kind of goes in this endless loop for me so I'm going to personally put my ticket on it is just because I can I guess sort of like wrap up and put a period on my theory with it um, but it could not be I could be a thousand percent wrong um, and then why do I think it didn't say anything to or speak when Karaka and Yuri were around um, I do think it is like. Like, you know, like, sort of like you were saying, like, it, it's, you know, look, I got, be, you know, my thing is with, with Wang Nan here. I'm not, you know, just, it's not trying to let itself be known to everybody else. Maybe it even sense, well, I don't know, because my other thing is the way it refers to Wang Nan is it, ref, it refers to him by seat of the king, right? Obviously, A, he doesn't even know his name, but that not being the point, because only a very few specific people or a very small group of people know that phrase and know what it means, and know that Wang Nan is somebody that you could refer to as that. So the fact that this sword knew all three, and that's how it identified Wang Nan before even speaking to him, means clearly tells us that like that is what this sword is looking for in one way, shape, or form in some sense. And so, again, I think it's got, its beef is with Wang Nan. It wants to be with Wang Nan, and perhaps whether it's you know sp just speaking to anybody or around anybody might give it away to other people, um, like Yuri, who's another princess, or maybe it's not even talking to Wang Nan out loud. Like maybe it's this is a voice only Wang Nan can hear in his head. I don't know, but I do think regardless which way it is, it is trying to sort of keep a you know a low profile in the sense that it's like yeah it's just a regular dagger. Don't worry about it. But it's like I do also talk to Wang Nan and tell him to kill people. Uh, yeah, so that's that. Um, okay, question number four is from Riru. I uh, say there's a really short blink and you miss it moment where bomb says that he's going to make Rachel pay for what she did to Kuhn. Then it cuts to beta asking in Dorsey what's wrong and pointing out that she doesn't seem very happy about this, even though bam letting go of Rachel is what she wanted. What do you think that means? How will this affect in Dorsey's character in the future? 
Uh, I think, at least from what we gathered from in Dorsey and Rachel's last conversation, uh, which was one of my favorite convos of them, uh, and Dorsey's kind of had it with Rachel, kind of had it with, like, you know, you know, like most of these characters now, the way that she talks about other people, the way that she talks about herself, the, you know, the whole playing the victim game here. And, you know, and Dorsey doesn't want to see Bam, you know, continually get roped in to Rachel's BS. Um, so I think whether it was like, oh, and Dorsey was sort of the the progenitor here of like trying to push Beta to give Bomb that, that uh, recorded footage or whatever so that he could see this. You know, uh, or whether, like, I, I, I guess what I'm getting at is, I don't know if it's like, in Dorsey, which wanted Bomb to know this because it's like, Bomb, you deserve to know this, or if she specifically showed him with the intent of him getting, you know, upset enough to be like, all right, that's it, I'm done with Rachel. Because, um, you know, we know that that's what Endorsey would want. Um, and again, from that last com- uh, last conversation with them, we do know that Endorsey is a little bit jealous of the uh, level of attention that Bomb or that uh, Rachel gets from Bomb. So I think it's going to, I think though, like, it's, it's one thing for Endorsey to want Bomb's attention. It's another thing to watch him, like, sever his tie with Rachel. Because again, I think that, you know, Surprise, surprise, the difference between someone like Endorsey and someone like Rachel is Endorsey, I do think, actually cares about Bomb, like, as far as, like, if he's happy and, and what he's going through. So, her being, she might be happy that he's, like, finally deciding to cut ties with Rachel, but knowing that that's still going to hurt on some level for him, like, you know, he's not, probably not a fun thing for her to watch him go through, um, and, you know, and because he's obviously distraught about that, and plus the, you know, the death of Kuhn, um, you know, I, I think that it, it's sort of like the, I don't want to say necessarily like, be careful what you wish for, but it's one of those things where like, this just didn't go the way 100% like Endorsey thought it would, or she didn't like maybe realize like all the sort of kickbacks or, or you know, the the bad sides of like how this altercation would end. Um, how do I think this will affect Endorsey's character in the future? Uh, I think I think it's, you know, hopefully going to make her a little bit more open about being aware of you know let's just start with bombs emotions and then we'll get to other people for uh later but like being a little bit more open and and aware of 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 bomb and and what he's feeling and maybe you know again i don't know i'm just going off that conversation that like maybe her character will start to shift away from like oh i'm jealous of the attention that rachel gets from bomb i want that attention to more of like something we've said about eon where it's like just prioritizing bomb's happiness over what, what Bomb wants over what you want, right? Because for somebody like Endorsey, that's probably a pretty good first step in terms of leveling out and balancing that character a little bit um, because, you know, as we know, Endorsey is very much like what I want comes first and, you know, whoever I like and don't like, that gets sorted out later. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mirror a lot of the points that you put forward. I think that there's, I think the biggest one is that Endorsey actually cares about Bomb's well-being, so when he goes off to say, I'm going to make her pay for what she's done, there's a little bit of a sadness that comes with that because she probably doesn't want Bomb to lose who he hit, who he is in the process. Yeah, does it drive her nuts that Bomb constantly chases down this girl that is not deserving of him whatsoever? Of course, but at the same time, doesn't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So she, at least the way I see it, wouldn't want Bomb to go down this path and to do something that he can never come back from, right? And lose a part of himself in the process, what makes him so special and what made her like him 
to begin with, right? What pulled her out of maybe a dark place and helped her see the light. So I think it's a very interesting dynamic, um, you know, that they're going through here. And I think that as far as it affects her character in the future, I would hope that it's something along the lines of a centering, a grounding of Bomb when maybe he steps too far and goes to those crazy lengths where at first it was in Dorsey being like, why don't you just kill? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And Bomb is like, well, because of this, that, and the third. There's more to it. And then now if it becomes the reverse. Now that Bomb has gotten a lot of power, he has the ability to go to that next level, cross the line. It's in Dorsey being like, hey, I remember one time when this wise person once told me that it wasn't necessarily the best route to go down to do this, right? To do all these sort of messed up things. And now I'm here to kind of return the favor and tell you that maybe we shouldn't go this far. You're, you're, you're bomb. You're what saved me in a sense, right? And I don't want you to lose yourself in trying to rid yourself of this virus that we call Rachel. So there's a, there's actually a line of hers that's coming to my mind now from way back from season one, Mm -hmm. when she first meets bomb or like, when they meet on the f- during the hide and seek test, and she says something along the lines of like, "Oh, don't worry, you're not the kind of person that can that can climb this tower uh, because it requires you to be like mean and dirty and and dr- betray people. Leave that to someone like me, right? I think sort of like what you were saying, you framed it well, where it's like in Dorsey, part of what attracted in Dorsey, I think, to Bomb is his sort of white knight policy here, where he's not willing to step over that line and go that far, and I think that's what gives her sort of like an anchor." Uh, so that she doesn't end up losing herself in that kind of mindset. So yeah, like it's, it's one thing for her. she wants him to get rid of Rachel, but not at the cost of what makes bomb bomb to her. Yeah, well said. All right, so last question we have here comes from the only way zero two nine. Uh, the only way asks, was Bomb actually intended by Arlene to be the protagonist of the story? What if there's more to his presence in the tower than Providence, and includes a, a a screenshot here that says, why would you punish me? Uh, you stole everything from me. Why would you? And it's when Rachel's, you know, clenching the fist and saying that you're a monster. Arlene always referred to you as a monster. You shouldn't be the one to do this. So I think this is very interesting and I'm very curious to have this sort of thing fleshed out. Again, we keep on getting little breadcrumbs of information about bombs, pa- pa- bombs, past, uh, bombs past from different sources, but it doesn't seem to always be the full picture. So one of the things that really intrigues me about the story, and I say it virtually every time, is I I love to find out what the characters end goals are and their motivations for why they help bomb, why they go against bomb, why they do this, that, and the third, right? I'm very curious about Jihad and what he has to say, even if it's wrong. I'm just curious to hear it, (laughs) to be honest with you. Kind of same thing with Rachel, right? Like what, what the whole, you know, what the whole deal is, even though she's terrible. Like, you get my point. So this is something that's very interesting. I would love to hear from the horse's mouth, as it were, Arlene. Obviously, I can't trust Rachel to tell the truth on this, but it would be cool to know in some way, shape, or form. And I'm curious to see at the end of the story, I think I would wager to say that there's probably a theory thrown around that Bomb might not be the end-all, be-all protagonist at the end of the story. He might. I know we've talked about this kind of in passing and joking around, but there is a semblance of something there that Bomb... You know, his abilities when he's fighting Jihad are very, they resemble the void, darkness, things that swallow up the light, right? There's like this very demonic 
presence to his power and he has a, a fantastic willpower and resolve to be able to control those things and so it doesn't necessarily make you a villain just because your powers resemble that right at all um it comes down to bomb himself but it'd be interesting to see if there's like this kind of reversal here where at the end result it's actually bomb was intended to really be this element of destruction for the tower and just to, to take it all down and destroy it rather than being its savior per se um being its 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 judge and jury and executioner right and that that's interesting for bomb because it's if he goes against the grain in that and what he was intended for this is going to be his whole character arc to me is what and we already see seedlings of that when he fights jihad and realizes his own power and wants to be himself draws the line what is Bomb going to choose to be, right? Because we might find out that even our it's well, we already have a clue that Arlene herself, right? And obviously she loved her child, she wanted, but it seems there's this facet of revenge that goes along with it and says, okay, you're the embodiment of me, you're living on, but like you need to go do this, right? Is that what Arlene really intended? Did something go wrong? Is Bomb kind of not her child? Is this the kind of Yuri Yura's brother thing where it's like the What's, what's their face? It's the big breeder went into the thing and it's like the mother re like rejected, right? Like it was Arlene, did she have bomb? And because the God revived bomb, but he wasn't bomb, you know, to her, like she just, her motherly instinct was like, no, this isn't mine. So it's like kind of shoved him. I don't know. I'm really curious to hear that though. And uh, something's telling me that bomb wasn't intended necessarily to be a good guy. Yeah, he's the protagonist, right? protagonist doesn't necessarily always have to be good, <laughs> uh, believe it or not. It's just kind of the person that we view the, the story through their lens. Um, so I think he was meant to be the protagonist, but I don't think necessarily he was meant to be this this, you know, this divine being that would do only good, you know, to the, to the tower. I think there was an element of revenge and destruction that goes along with it and judgment rather than grace and justice, if that makes sense. Justice in the most most violent sense of the term, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I think that it's interesting when, the you know, the way this question talks about uh, was Bam intended by Arlene to be the protagonist? Because last discussion, we sort of went into this, you know, mini rabbit hole of like, well, who are, you know, who is the real enemy in terms of like how this story started, right? Like were Jihad and the heads of the 10 families and that group of people, like did they maybe feel a little bit subjugated or oppressed or what have you by the outside gods? Um, because again, from what we've gathered from these gods, they don't seem to be like the chillest of people and they don't seem like they're like, yeah, do whatever you want. You want to go up that tower and start your own thing? Cool with that. Oh, you want to use our symbol? Yeah, go ahead. You know, they seem like, oh no, <laughs> like none of that. Um, so, my thing is if Arlene came down the tower or, or, or just outside, you know, um, and, and pleaded with these gods who, again, would be the same gods that they initially fled from. Uh, and, and her whole thing was like, oh, I like, you know, at whatever cost, like, I need you to save this child's life. And if, if that is what happened and the, the, the cause and effect of that is that Bam now is not even really so much Bam in terms of his soul and his personality and, and his own agency and just sort of like a mouthpiece for these gods and, and sort of a vessel in a sense. Um, who's to say that Arlene's intentions even matter in, in what Bam, who Bam is and what he's doing again, her wish, you know, and, and I frame this in the manner of like this whole, be careful what you wish for, like your words matter genie type thing where it's like, all she wanted was Bam, was life to be brought back to Bam. That in no way signifies that like the child and baby 
with the personality he had when he died is what came back. That just means that that body is going to get another life. But who's to say that the gods, again, didn't take this as an opportunity to introduce a devil into this tower because of their their grudge with Jihad. And they were like, okay, so if Jihad is the reason that this happened to your baby and he is up here building his whole empire in this tower, let's send a devil into this tower to take away everything from Jihad. We are going to use this vessel to destroy and rip down everything Jihad has built in here because like that that's that sends a message. Do not cross us under any circumstance. Um so I I, I think it's it's more of yeah Bam is the protagonist like you were saying in the very vague, raw sense that he is the focal point of this story, but in no way does that necessarily automatically tie him to being, you know, the savior. And he might, again, be, you know, it's all perspective, right? Because he might he might be a savior to the people of the tower that are being subjugated to jihad. Um, but that also, you know, looking at that in a, in a more general broad scope implies that he is a savior and he's coming to this tower to do good. Again, perspective to Jihad, Bam is a devil. He is a monster. He is literally here and has somebody who has the power to destroy everything Jihad has built and maintained up until this time. Whereas to Bam and everybody, again, who is opposing Jihad, he is not a devil. And even I would go so far as to say, even if in the technical terms, by what the outside gods like say or think, if he is a devil, perhaps this tower needs a monster, right? Perhaps the 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 god that jihad has become is a god that is no longer welcome in this tower or is a god that the people of this tower on a you know on a majority rule type beat don't want in this tower anymore and they need a devil to come in here and rip this whole thing apart so yeah i do think there's a way that you could i guess you know talk about it or frame bam as the as the devil as the monster in the story but i guess my point is that i don't know if that's necessarily i don't i wouldn't go so far as to be like Monster equals villain, right? Because I think if anything, and again, one of the things I love about the story, even talking about Bam as a protagonist, because if that is the way that Bam was created by these outside forces, it's so it's it is so interesting that Bam has this personality of like, no, I will not do anything wrong. I will not kill anybody. I will like that he has this again sort of white knight persona being what his initial mission is supposed to be. Um one thing that we know about the story is that complexity is king here, right? There is no white and black. There is, you know, there is only gray. And, and I think that exists with every character, specifically people like Bam and Jihad, where it's like, yeah, Jihad is, again, through the focal point of the story, if we're using Bam as a protagonist, Jihad is our enemy because that is Bam's enemy. But that does not necessarily make Jihad the villain. And it doesn't necessarily make Bam the villain. It just means that these two opposing sides are sort of caught and interlocked in this fight that, again, I don't even know how much of it is like their fight, right? Like this is not a fight really like between Bam and Jihad. It is, a you know, as Jihad sort of said uh, in the last couple of chapters, this is a fight between man and fate, right? Between between uh, people and the gods. And I think that like the way this is structured, you know, again, it, it, it will definitely be a, a focal point for Bam's character growth and development going forward if it's like Bam, is Bam's personality who Bam either is now or who he ends up becoming because of all of his friends and all the, the things that he learns, is that going to be enough to win out and change what is destined to happen? Um, or is this battle, does this battle spell out the end of the tower? Or again, even like, is that a bad thing? Because I, I, we talked in the last discussion about this whole thing where the administrators even on some of the floors, and again, some of the people are tired and fed up with the way Jihad has been doing things. Like, I would think that there's a reason, you know, if my theory stands that Hedon is is running this, you know, is the one in charge of the tower in a sense that, you know, 
all these people have sort of just been aiming bomb, right? They've been guiding him and making sure he gets to the top of this tower because they're like, this, like, you know, this is the way type thinking where it's like, Jihad, you have had this reckoning coming for a very long time and that time is today. Well said. Anyway, folks, those are our questions for today. Thank you to everyone who posed their question in our Discord channel. Don't shy away from asking them every single week after our live streams. You have one hour after the live stream concludes. And if you want to catch those live streams, you can go over to the AOA Reacts channel. The link will be in the description down below to catch those on Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. A big shout out to our patrons, especially our Acolytes Anime. We have Stoic. We have Nathan. Um, we also have our comment of the day. Isaiah, if you want to read that for us, and then if we have some sort of question to ask the folks who made it to the end of this video. Okay, so this today's comment comes from uh, Mapanzu Ilwick. I am sorry if I butchered that name. I think it's pretty close. Uh, the comment is, the name of Jihad's needle is... Uh, Lacalicus. Uh, I love the way. <laughs> yeah, I love the way that you rage about Rachel. There's a French video with an English sub with English subs that you guys need to watch. It, if you check it out when you finish your read through of the second season, you will understand how SIU wrote this story and his characters. Rachel is his favorite character of SIU for a reason. Relax. Uh, <laughs> next to this Tower of God uses anthology anthology from different myths. Um, Pathions, Pathions, mm. and religions, uh, the gods that have children with the humans, even them, uh, the situation in the middle of the tower with the 10 families, mm. similarly with Bam and Jesus being born on the 25th, him being reborn and sent by the gods. Um, yeah, so I, that's it's definitely interesting to think that, like, not that it's surprising in any way that, like, you know, uh, great stories are inspired by other greater stories right so it's like why you know it's sort of like the if it's not broke don't fix it type thing where it's like why would why would you not if it makes sense pull from uh you know either other stories legends you know myths whatever um to craft your story and, and it is definitely very obvious the tower of god has taken inspiration from all the things that uh manzapu uh listed here um and i think it's cool i definitely think it putting in that this sort of sci-fi or you know fantasy twist on those things and, and making this fresh unique thing out of it um you know is quite literally how good art is made <laughs> mm, agreed all right folks so that is our comment of the day question of the day will be what is how do you pronounce the name calavan yeah new guy what is the instrument that calavan plays answer in the comments down below and then write your comment and it might just end up on our next tower of god discussion if you like the video today make sure you guys are liking subscribing if you're new here hitting that notification bell so you don't miss any future content also subscribing to aoa reacts like i said before link is down in the description sharing with your friends because the more the merrier it starts with isaiah and i but it definitely doesn't end here it ends with you the community at large so comment your thoughts down below what did you think of our discussion what did you think of these questions what did you think about these chapters of tower of god and how excited are you for us to keep climbing because i know that we certainly are but until next time thank you so much for watching thank you so much for listening we love your beautiful faces and we will catch you all on the flip peace peace ninjas of samurais blazing the cool knives find me in the leaf of the cloud screaming out bankai we just some ghouls though, who like seeing parts fly. They like what you saying. Goma got more through the storylines. I tested your neck from the start. My hunters gon' come for your heart. I promise you'll land in my boulevard. Left them in one piece. No.